Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Found Her. Today you're going to hear me and our guest talk a lot about the importance of community, a topic we discuss often around here. Which reminds me, our next Found Her Friday is tomorrow, February 23rd in the North Shore of Chicago, and our next virtual Found Her Friday is March 2nd. We hosted this event virtually in January, and the women who came have been begging me to do it every month versus once a quarter. So I'm glad they loved it as much as I did, and I'm going to try my best to get a monthly Found Her Friday virtually on our calendar. Don't forget to make sure that you get on the list for our upcoming events through the link in our show notes so that you can register. And now, on to the show. So many of my amazing guests come to me by way of my incredible network of female founders. Today's guest landed in my inbox from a past guest through an introduction. Well, Amy Schoenthal is a journalist and a marketing consultant. She is also now the author of a book called The Setback Cycle about how today's prominent founders and leaders overcame obstacles to find success. As those of you who have been here know, I had my own list of setbacks when I started and sold my first company, which made my initial conversation with Amy really interesting. I knew that I had to have her on the show. You're going to hear us talk today, not only about the process of writing a book, but how you don't have to be a celebrity or have a huge following in order to be an author. You just have to have a story that people want and you have to know how to get it out there. So how did Amy get here? Well, as a contributor to outlets such as Forbes Women and Harvard Business Review, she shines the spotlight on leaders who have been historically underestimated yet are doing the work to solve society's biggest problems. Amy also boasts a two-decade marketing career working with some of the world's largest brands from Procter & Gamble to Google. Now, through her consulting firm, Visionaries Collective, she works with founders, corporations, nonprofits, and small businesses to shape their brand narratives and captivate audiences through strategic storytelling. Amy previously wrote a children's book, A Magical Day in Sunnyside, a tribute to the independent-owned businesses in her own beloved neighborhood, of Sunnyside, Queens, where she lives with her husband and five-year-old daughter. And now come on in and meet Amy Schoenthal. Dear Founder, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. At 30 years old, I founded my first company with just $500, building it to reach 3 million people and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight, all before I sold it. A decade later, I exited with one goal, to support other women in business through their own entrepreneurship journeys. As an entrepreneur, you wear every hat, you burn the midnight oil, and most of all, you pour your heart and soul into everything you do. But there's no blueprint for success. Every week on Dear Founder, you'll get to sit in as I pick the brain of some of my closest female founder contacts. Save yourself time, money, and hassle listening to the lessons of those who have already done it. You'll also have the chance to hear about my own founder journey, how I built my first company, and now how I'm building my second, as I share solo episodes filled with actionable lessons and steps that you can apply to your business immediately. Make sure to subscribe now so that we can build our businesses together each and every week. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm so excited about today's guest today. We met through a mutual connection, which, as you often hear me say, is the best way to meet people. But Amy Schoenthal is a journalist and a marketing consultant, and now she can add author to her list of titles. Her book, The Setback Cycle, comes out March 19th, 2024. And we're going to talk today about how Amy got to that point 
of writing a book and the process of writing a book and all about the book. So Amy, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy you're here. This is so much fun. I don't think we've ever talked about writing a book before on Dear Founder. So this is great. What do you want to know? So, well, first I want to know, I want you to tell me about your background. I want you to tell us who you are. Why are you here? What's your story? Why are we all here? That's a, that's a big question. Um, but I am Amy Schoenthal. I am a journalist. I have been writing stories since I was a little kid and I did um, major in journalism when I went to college. So I have, I have always been trying to be a writer, although it probably took me 20 years to actually call myself a writer um, because I didn't do it full time. I had a 20-year marketing career. I was a marketing executive at various agencies, worked with huge global brands, and, and loved it. Um, it's, a great, it's a great career. And because that was my full-time job, and I only did writing on the side as like a freelance, what I called a hobby, <laughs> um, I really hesitated to call myself a writer because that wasn't how I made an income. And I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Even if they write here and there to call yourself a writer, you feel like you need to have like a Pulitzer in order to do that. Right. Um, but in my opinion, if you write, you're a writer and that's that. It doesn't matter if you write for yourself and no one ever sees it. Like if you enjoy writing, you are a writer. Um, but for me, writing actually ended up being a lifeline because after I came back from maternity leave as a marketing executive, I was slowly but very clearly sidelined in my job. And so with that role being somewhat minimized, my freelance writing career, which had always been sort of humming in the background, took front and center. And I started seeking out more people to interview, more stories to write. And the more you do something, the more you really see the themes and the trends that come up and the conversations that have interesting commonalities between like the biggest celebrities and the founders just starting out and raising their seed round. And that's kind of how I came up with the idea for the book. I kept seeing that as people would tell me their career journeys or their stories, they would really light up when they started talking about how they pulled themselves out of a setback. And that's what usually led them to their big idea or their brilliant innovation or some really cool project that was bettering society in some way. And it wasn't always just like a mistake they made or, you know, something someone else did, or it, it was something else. And I, it took me a while to land on the concept of setbacks, which hasn't really been explored in other like business psychology books. And so it was something that I really, really wanted to dig into. I wanted to understand like, the biology behind it. Like, is this something that humans are hardwired to do? And yes, it is. Um, and so I talked to executive coaches, neuroscientists, psychologists, lots of, lots and lots of people. I read all, all the business psychology books to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And that's how I arrived at the setback cycle. It's the cycle that we have to go through in order to learn from and productively work through these inevitable experiences. It's funny because, and you and I talked about this, I think the first time we spoke, but no one wants to talk about the setbacks no, and no, no one wants, wants to, to acknowledge the setbacks and no one wants to acknowledge that things are not always rainbows and unicorns, especially entrepreneurs and founders who just want to be perceived as successful. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that is a really big reason why you and I connected because I had many setbacks along my own founder journey. And to your point, my setbacks and the shit that happened to me is what got me here today sharing stories like yours. 
And exactly. And that's, and that's a, a full out acknowledgement of mine. And I, and I think it's so important, the work that you're doing, because I think that so many of us think we have to be perfect and think we can't share the shit. And it's really the shit that we learn from and grow from. And that's how we help one another. Totally. It also, I think, demystifies entrepreneurship or book writing or whatever thing you think you could never possibly do because it is so inaccessible to you. But then once you kind of hear what someone had to go through to get to where they are today, you see echoes of yourself in that story and it it makes it more accessible. It makes it more like, well, if they did it, maybe I could do that, you know? Um, and I think that it's, it's, people are maybe more open to talk about their setbacks after they've completed it and emerged on the other side with some level of success. But what people really hesitate to do is to talk about their setbacks while they're working through them. And that's actually one of the best things you can do because reaching out to your community and asking for help is the best way to get you through a setback. Oh my God. I couldn't agree with you more. And also your community stands by you 150%, you know, a thousand percent. I mean, like your community is who lifts you up every single day. And when you are vulnerable and you do share that something is not going right, they are going to be the first to help you. They will, you know, find someone who can help you. They will give, you know, contribute to a fund to help you, whatever it is, it is your community that is going to be there for you. People are so much more willing to help than you ever think they are going to be because it makes them feel valuable. I have a whole chapter in the book on community. And even as I was not really writing the book, but as I was starting to do marketing for the book, which is like a whole thing, I had to ask so many people for help. And that goes against like everything in my gut. Like I want to help people. I don't want to ask for help, but I had to sort of get over that. And it, you know what? People were so happy to help. Like, so People happy are always to happy to help. It's they really crazy. Are. And we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, I want you to tell us what can a reader expect from your book? I think that what most people are telling me, what most people who have already read the book are telling me is that it is giving them a new perspective on experiences they've already had and on experiences that they are currently working through or anticipate having in the future, right? There's when people think of a setback, and this is mostly focused on business and career setbacks, but of course that intersects with the personal and the societal setbacks that we all always encounter. But what people are really saying is that, you know, I never really understood my own experience through this lens. But now that I understand the concept of the setback cycle, I'm realizing that I have worked through it before and now I have the confidence to work through it again. And there are tools and resources and little prompts and activities throughout the book. So as you're reading these really inspirational stories of these founders and leaders who worked through their own, there's prompts and clues to help you sort of like relate what they did back to yourself. We talked before we got on about how there's this kind of misconception that like you have to be famous or you have to have like some, excuse me, giant platform to write a book and that that just isn't the case. And I would love to kind of dig into this a bit more because so many people have so much to say and don't because they are under this misconception that you have to be famous or have a big platform Mm -hmm. in order to say it. So how did you come to the conclusion that writing a book was 
going to be the best direction for you. Like I said, as I was writing all these articles, um, I I just started seeing so many themes and trends. And I started talking to people about it, like, hey, have you noticed this? Have you noticed this? And every time I would sort of share little snippets of my idea and the theory that I was kind of coming up with in the moment, everyone would say, oh, yeah, like, that is so true. Like, my biggest achievement came from this setback. And like, even my mom said something like, oh, my God, I only had my big career because... I started out uh, going into teaching, but all the teaching jobs when I graduated in the 1970s were going to men who were dodging the draft, so I couldn't get a job as a teacher. And that's what inspired her to take a technology course, which who knows what a technology course looked like in the 1970s. And that's what got her to this. She had this like 30-year uh, career in marketing systems. And so it's oh like, <laughs> yeah, so you can you can look at your life and see where the setbacks came in and what you did from them, even, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later. So as a marketer turned journalist, you decide to write a book. How do you know what to do? And what did you do? I called my friend who helps people write books. (laughs) And what did your friend tell you? I said, listen, her name is Ruthie Ackerman. She helps coach writers, you know, through, I think, just writing essays and trying to get published in, you know, certain media outlets, but she also helps aspiring authors write books. And I, 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 I'm friends with her. And so I called her and I said, I think I have an idea for a book. And I remember saying like, but I'm not ready to commit. Like that really seems like a big undertaking. I just, I just want to talk to you about this idea and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. You know, I was almost maybe thinking she would talk me out of it. (laughs) So I called her and I said, this is my idea. And I will never forget her words. And she said, Amy, that is definitely a book. You have to write it. And when someone who does this for a living says that to you, it's your green light. You kind of like, I feel like once I kind of put it out there and told someone else about it, now I was accountable for, for making it happen. And I worked with her, you know, I I had her review drafts. I worked with her, like we got it and she showed me what a book proposal looked like. And we worked together for months before I finally pitched a bunch of agents to try to get agents to work with me. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. You've probably heard me talk about my group mentorship, Marketing Made Simple for a Small Business. Well, we launched in the fall and nearly 50 women are currently inside learning simple but effective marketing skills to take their business and brands to the next level. While the doors are currently closed, we will be opening them up to a new cohort in just a few weeks. So what is Marketing Made Simple? Well, Marketing Made Simple for Small Business is a group mentorship program for women-owned businesses. You'll work to create effective content, messaging, and a marketing process to connect with your community, build awareness, and drive sales. This is a program that combines small group strategy sessions, one-on-one Q&A with me, and accelerator calls, community support, and a ton of digital resources designed to give you the step-by-step instructions and guidance that you need for brand growth. What I'm seeing taking place inside this community is absolutely amazing. I hope to see you inside soon. Make sure that you get on the wait list through the link in our show notes. You'll get first dibs on an ex- and an exclusive rate and a bonus when the doors open. Questions? Shoot me a DM or an email. I am happy to answer them. Lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com. And now back to the show. You said I put it out there in the world and so I couldn't go back. And I just want to touch on that because that holds true for anything. Mm-hmm. 
And it's so important to the people who are listening. Like when you put something out into the world, that's when it becomes real and it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be messy, but that's when you need to really move forward with it, right? Absolutely. And I look back, I remember looking back on that first text message I sent her and I had all these qualifiers of like, I don't think I'm really ready. And like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And I just call BS on myself because of course I was ready to do it. Of course I wanted to do it. I was just making excuses. But I think just the fact that I texted her and then I got on the phone with her and we talked about it meant I was absolutely ready to do it, even though I was trying like frantically to talk myself out of it. Because look, it was a big undertaking. I was a mom. I had a full-time job and I was not sure if I could fit this in. But let me tell you something. How long did it take? Less than three years, just under three years, because I wrote the first couple words in March 2021. The book will come out in March 2024. Okay. But the book is done. The book has been done for a few months. And so it probably, yeah, it took somewhere between two and a half and three years, which is actually not that long when it comes to writing a book. Like I know people who have spent like five to seven years writing their books and- Okay. So let's go back to the process because you just said like, you just said something like, did you, like, I want to know what happened when you wrote the book proposal and did you like how you put it out into Mm -hmm. the world? Because I think a lot of people think that they have to write the book before they can get a book deal. And I, and I want to kind of put these misconceptions to bed because that's not the case. No, you have to write out your idea. You have to outline your idea and you have to frame it very clearly. And so what I did was I typed out like a note on my phone And I sent, it was like a one pager, you know, and I think I still have that one pager. (laughs) Um, And I sent that to to Ruthie. And so she looked at it and she said, okay, you know, this is your idea. That's cool. Here's some feedback. And then she had me go back and and quite literally outline the chapters. Like, how is the story going to go? What's the flow of the book? You know, how are you going to frame your argument, et cetera, et cetera. And so then we spent those next few months, you know, coming up with, what I thought was a great book. And we put it into book proposal form. And I don't remember how long it took, but maybe six months or so. And after six months, felt really good about it. I had um, I had another friend like read through the whole thing with a fresh eye because I wanted her, you know, someone who used to work in publishing, she did me a favor. And so she read it with a fresh eye and I felt like, okay, this is airtight. I got to send it out. And I sent it out to a bunch of agents, I think a couple editors too, direct to editors at publishing houses. And I I got some good feedback, but I was rejected by every single one. Every single one. So, no, um, like I felt really good about the work, but just the fact that people responded to me and, and, you know, had phone calls with me and what I did during that phase of pitching was I just collected information. So all the feedback they gave me, and I'm actually so grateful to those agents who took the time to talk, read the proposal, talk to me about it, and give me proper feedback, but that's what it was. It was feedback, and their feedback was very consistent. Like, everyone kind of said the same thing, and it was along the lines of, like, this is a good book. Uh, You know, you have some really strong ideas in here, but it reads too much like an anthology. I had really kind of independently shared all the stories of the founders and leaders that I wanted to profile in the book. And I think going from journalist to author is a whole, it's a whole thing. Just because you know how to write, writing articles is different than writing books. And so the, the original proposal read like an anthology. 
a lot of them said. They said, this is good, but you need a better through line. So I said, okay. And, and, and it was just so feedback. consistent. Yes. It was such good feedback. And also let's pause for a minute. I think it's really important, just a skill in, in general to listen. Yeah. And to take the feedback and like, yeah. you know, but not everyone does, right? Like not, I mean, not everyone does. And had you, you know, been quick to get down on the fact that you, that they were rejecting you right away and not taking that next step to get the feedback, you would be in a different position right now. I guess that's true. When I, when I originally started talking, I said, oh, I was rejected by all of them, but I really wasn't rejected by all of them. I was given feedback and a lot of them said, come back to me when you change it, you know? And it was so that also, what you did. Yeah. I didn't end up working with any of them, but <laughs> because by the but time changed I, it. I changed it. And then I spent many months, I don't really have a time frame for how long it took me to go back and, and re-edit it. But I think that's when I, I think that's when I went back and I said, okay, this is an, this reads like an anthology. Like I see how it connects, but I'm clearly not communicating it well within the context of this proposal. And I think that's when I really started diving into, okay, I need to not just interview people who went through this. I need to interview experts to back up the theory and to get their input on why this happens. And that's when I really, I think I spent another like six to eight months going out to experts and conducting interviews and also just doing research. Like the research phase was, was intense. Like it was really intense. I was reading a lot of nonfiction leadership, business advice books, um, I read, I, I was introduced, I was listening to a podcast and I, I heard a neuroscientist on it. This was like before the days of Huberman, um, when neuroscience was like sexy. Um, and I found, I reached out to her and she responded to me somehow. And I interviewed her several times and cause I just wanted to get to the bottom of why this was happening. And so I think that's what I spent months doing, just making a through line. And that's how I came to the concept of this is all because of a setback. And there's a cycle that they're all going through. And how can we articulate what that cycle is? And then, and then how did you get the deal? I went back. So there's this trade publication called, called Publishers Marketplace. It is a $25 a month subscription to subscribe to Publishers Marketplace. And every Monday they send out like a deals email. And it's a list of book deals that have just been signed by, you know, from agents to editors at publishing houses. And I scrolled through that Monday deals email to see every type of book that was similar to mine and to see what agent was representing that author and what publishing house was publishing that title. I had a crazy long list of agents that I wanted to reach out to and editors that I wanted to just like keep in mind. And I cold emailed all of them. And one of those cold emails was to Courtney Paganelli and she is my agent. And she, she just, she got it. You know what I mean? Like she just, she got on the phone with me. She was like, I get it. I see it. This is amazing. We can sell this book. Like I believe in it. And I think your story is going to change lives. And I was like, yep, that's why I want to do it. You get it, you know? And yeah, she has been an incredible, just like editor, advocate, like cheerleader, everything, everything. I, I mean, I just, she is, she is amazing. And um, yeah, but it all just came from me researching and scouring but, publishers marketplace. But the right person is integral in this relationship. And oh, of yeah. course you are going to reach out to a million different people, 
But it's not just getting someone to respond. It's getting someone to respond with that reaction. Exactly. That you just just said. Yeah. Like she was, she was so pumped about the book. You know, like other people were like, okay, like I could see this working. Like, have you considered this? Like, what about the, and and look, a lot of people came to me and said, this is a great idea, but you don't have enough um, social media followers. So many people, that might've not been the agents. That might've been when we got to the editors. but yeah, we got, I got a lot of like, oh, maybe you could change this and do this and then it would be good. And that, but like Courtney was just like, nope, this is the book. It's amazing. It's, it's like, let's get it into shape and let's go. And then she, I signed with her, you know, I talked to some others. I properly, you know, did my homework and talked to everyone who would talk to me. I signed with Courtney. Um, it was June or May or June when I signed with her. And I remember we got, we spent that summer getting the proposal into really good shape. And I remember querying editor, like she was querying editors that fall. And I got my book deal in November. But it's so crazy that you say that about the followers. There's this woman here who has a podcast. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that like her followers were increasing like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I took a a deeper dive into it. And and, and I know this from my work, right? Like from what I do with people. I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, just so you know, I was like, people don't go from like 3,000 to 16,000 followers in a course of a couple of months just by doing the same thing that they've been doing for the last three years. And I said, it's very apparent that you are buying followers. And I said, I don't know if it's your book publisher because she has a book coming out. I said, I don't know okay. if it's your book publisher or if it's your social media manager or just like your own vanity that you want more followers. But I was like, you're going to have to sell a book and exactly. that's going to come to bite you in the butt. So I yes. said, it really, beho- like it really would make more sense if you just did this the right way, because even if you have a smaller following, yes. the right people will see your content and they will buy your book. Totally. Totally. Like, and even, even with, um, so like some publishers were pushing me that way, like go get more followers. I was like, but I don't, there's a way to do that. Like there's even with like my newsletter, it was like, go grow your newsletter list. And I was like, well, I have like a 60% open rate. Like I have a pretty, like it's a small list, but it's really engaged. Like and you'll no one see has a the- 60% open rate. No. Come on. <laughs> like, no. But it's small. It's because it's small because they're my people. They're people who care about me and want to read my articles and writing. And so they're going to buy my book. And yeah, you know what? I'm probably not going to be like 30,000 books sold in the first week, but like, I don't know. It's whatever I sell, I sell, you know, at least when they gave me the book deal, they knew exactly who I was and what I could offer. Totally. Uh, I think it's important for people to note that, right? Like, because you said to me when we first got on this, like, you said anyone can write a book. You don't have to have a big following. And so to turn around and think that you all of a sudden have to buy fake followers is it goes against everything that you and I are sitting here talking about. And it's going to reflect in your book sales. Exactly. And look, I'm not undermining the very well-intentioned advice that you get from people when, when they say you need to have a platform in order to sell a book. That's true, right? You need to be able to show that if you write a book, when you send the proposal to an agent, to an editor, you do need to be able to demonstrate that you will be able to sell books, that you have some sort of audience somewhere, right? Whether that's through a network you're in, a connection you have, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be celebrity level. And if you just start writing somewhere, 
start a Substack, right? Start a newsletter, write on media, like do whatever, just start writing. If you have a message that will resonate, you will see that following grow authentically. And now, you know, and then you can go sell a book, right? But just start writing. And what a great way to test out ideas, you know, throw ideas out on LinkedIn or Instagram or in your Substack and see how people respond. And if a message doesn't resonate, like maybe pivot somewhere else, like take it as the feedback, take it as the information that'll help you get to the place where you want to get to. Such good advice, all of it. And so I want to kind of turn, um, turn our attention to the actual marketing and selling of the book. You talked a lot about community. That is my love language. I love community. I think that you can't do anything in business or life really without a supportive community. And even before I hit record, you said, you know, I called in a lot of favors and so many people have been helpful. So Mm -hmm. how are you marketing this book? I am doing a lot of podcast interviews. <laughs> we And we were connected through a mutual friend who said, you guys will just love each other. And Amy is trying to get the word out about her book coming up. And that will probably appeal to your podcast listeners because she writes about entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship and founder life and trends that impact people running their own businesses. And, you know, again, that was a favor that I called in, that someone was happy to connect us. And now we're talking. So that's basically, that's my marketing strategy. Just asking everyone I know if I could be on their podcast, asking people I know to share the information with their friends, to uh, pre-order the book, to, um, you know, just kind of get the word out. Um, And like I said, luckily I have spent years building my network um, because I think of my writing and my I do a lot of speaking engagements and I moderate a lot of panels and I've done a few keynotes. And so since I Frankly, since I got the book deal and finished the book, I've just been talking about it endlessly. I mean, my my social media is insufferable right now because I am just like my book has become my whole personality. <laughs> like, Let's talk about that. It I is think what that it that's is. A, but I think that that's really important because we talk a lot in my group mentorship marketing made simple for a small business. We talk a lot about sharing your offer, and you know, and I I think a lot of people are guilty of not sharing their offer. And and an offer can be so many different things, right? It could be what you're selling as a service or a product. It could be a book. It could be, you know, listen to my podcast. That could be an offer, right? Yeah. So so I I I would like to I would like you to touch upon the fact that there is really no such thing as oversharing your offer because that is how yeah. you essentially are going to sell this book. Exactly. And look, I have a book filled with incredible wisdom from brilliant people, right? It is a collection of stories from inspirational leaders. I want you to get a taste of who the people are in the book. And so I've just been sharing little quotes from them. And then, of course, there's a lot of advice from experts, right? And so I've really just been profiling the people who made this book possible, the people who I interviewed for the book, whose wisdom is included in the book to illustrate how the cycle works. And that's really, you know, what I'm doing on, on social right now to kind of not only drive interest, like, Hey, if you like this quote, you might like their chapter, please buy the book. Like that is my message. That's my little call to action. Um, but it's also advice that I think will resonate right now. Even if you just look at the little quote I share on social, um, And so, and and that just goes back to why I wrote the book. I think it will help people. I think there's a lot of really good advice in here and a lot of really cool stories that are just going to inspire you and educate you and get you to see your own experiences through a different 
lens and better prepare you for the inevitable setbacks that come your way, especially if you're doing something as bold as running your own business. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. What you're sharing right now are all these very simplistic, not even strategies. I mean, they're simplistic things that you can check off on a list, right? It's like reach out to your community and tell them what it is that you're doing. Ask your community if they'll have you on their podcast, share you on social media, share you with a friend. It's it's putting things up on your social media that are in the book and potentially tagging the people who have been in the book and they'll reshare it too. It's like all these little things that separately, maybe won't necessarily move the needle, but when you collectively do them and you rely on your community, both like your community and then like your book community, you're going to move the needle. Absolutely. And in doing so, you know, you are explaining why you have value to these audiences, right? There is value in reading this book and resharing this quote, right? It will resonate with people. It will help people. It will explain this thing to you. It will shine a light on your world in a new way. And so that's, you know, yes, of course, ask for all the help, but make sure you're doing it in a way where you say like, yes, please put me on your podcast, but this is why I will be valuable, a valuable guest, because I will explain this to your listeners and I will share this insight and I will explain, you know, how to write a book and things like that. And people are willing to help. And we talked about this, like you touched upon this at the beginning too. And I would love for you to kind of share the reverse side of that because it's like when you're asking for the help, it's like, oh my God, you like do not want to. And you're like, oh God, but like I'm asking for the help. So can you share kind of the reactions that you received? Because I think it's really important for people to hear them and understand that like you can ask for help. You can. I mean, for me, it was like a muscle I had to strengthen in asking for help. Like it felt- I think for everyone. For everyone. I felt so cringy when I had to start doing it. I hated it. I like felt it physically in my gut how much I hated it. Even just like sending an email. I actually, I think the last few months, I forced myself to send three emails a day asking for help or three outreaches a day, whether it's a text, an email, a DM. Um, because that was like a palatable amount for me um, to kind of get me through that discomfort. And yeah, sure enough. And I like I knew this conceptually, but 
but actually doing it and experiencing it yourself is different than understanding a concept. As I did more of it, as I did my three outreaches per day, I got more comfortable asking for help. And I exercised that muscle and I strengthened that skill. And now I'm way more comfortable asking, you know? I love that. And that was such great advice. So thank you for sharing that. What is, what is it that you hope people take away from reading your book? What do you want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away inspired and with a deeper understanding of all that they might be capable of if they understand their experiences in a new way and see them for the value that they bring. And then the last question that I ask everyone, I'm going to kind of morph it a little bit for you, but you've talked to so many amazing founders and entrepreneurs, and you now are an entrepreneur in your own right. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, I know you were as a freelance writer too, but as an author, you are selling a book. And so it's a very different level of entrepreneurship. What are three actionable tips that you would give to someone who's just starting out? As a writer, I would say just write. You don't have to write every day, but just write. Just get started. Or even as a founder, if you want to do something but you're hesitant, just break that big goal into some tiny steps that, again, like I did with the three outreaches, just make it palatable and can meet you at your comfort level so that the big goal doesn't seem so far away or so unattainable. Break it into those tiny goals that make it attainable. Um, that was probably like five tips, but, (laughs) um, and then again, I I think that if you have something that you want to do in your life, don't wait, do it today. So many business owners who stayed in the corporate world for too long, tell me that their biggest regret was not starting their business sooner. I hear that in so many interviews and among so many friends. And and I see it myself as someone who finally, finally left the corporate world after like thinking about it here and there. Like, like you have no idea what you are capable of until you actually try. And I think you will be surprised by how well-received your message is going to be. Amy Schoenthal, marketer, journalist, and now author, Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to share your story. Where can everyone find you and your book, The Setback Cycle? The Setback Cycle is available at all major retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, bookshop.org, wherever you buy your books. Um, And I am on social media as Amy Show, A-M-Y-S-H-O, on Instagram, X formerly known as Twitter and LinkedIn. Those are my, my places. So, And we'll link everything in the show notes. Thank you again so much for being here and good luck. We're going to be rooting for you all the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. So in case you missed it, we'll be closing out each episode this season with our number one takeaway from our conversation. Well, Amy had so many and so I actually had two that I wanted to share today. I promise I'll make them quick. Number one, My number one takeaway from Amy today is ask your network and community for help. Call in the favors. Don't be shy to do so. People want to help you and ask along the way, not after you've already solved the problem. People want to help you when you're in it. So ask. And number two, don't wait. If there's something that you want to do, find a way to do it and make it happen. You can pre-order Amy's book, The Setback Cycle, now. It comes out on March 19th. The link is in our show notes. 
So we've been getting so much love for season three of Dear Found Her, and you have all been so gracious with your time, leaving us some amazing reviews. Jenster2423 recently shared, as a female entrepreneur myself, I love hearing the success stories of other women. Lindsay does a wonderful job asking the questions I want to hear and the conversations always leave me feeling inspired. Well, Jenster, that is my goal. And I want to thank you so much for that incredible compliment. If you like today's conversation, I would love it if you left a five-star rating or review so that other and a review, sorry, so that others can find this conversation. All you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear found her or click the link in the show notes to leave a review wherever it is that you podcast. And if you know someone who we should meet, send them our meet a founder link in our show notes. We'll introduce them to our community on our social media and our website later this year. But for now, I want to thank Amy Schoenthal for being our guest today. And I want to thank all of you for listening and thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week and we will see you again on Tuesday. Tuesday.